Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 13. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Say that, fear not. He said, stand firm. Say, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. Hallelujah. And you know the rest of the story that uh, Moses lifted up his staff above the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted and millions of Hebrew children walked through the Red Sea in a miraculous, miraculous event. Now turn the page over to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And I want to read verses 2 and 3 there. This is just two chapters later after they had experienced the parting of the Red Sea. Watch what happens. And the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Two chapters before, they had experienced this great miracle where the Red Sea was parted and they walked through on dry land to freedom and watched Pharaoh's armies drown behind them. And then two chapters later, they just want a snack. And what do they say? Wish we were still in Egypt. The same thing they said when they were standing in front of the Red Sea. I want to pray and we're going to get into this a little bit more. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you, God, that specifically today you have spoken a word to me that I believe is for this season and for this church. And so, God, would you use me to speak your word and to prophesy this morning? And would you uh, open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say in Jesus name? Amen. You can be seated. Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning? Some of the, you, this is your first week back, and this is our second week having services in person, and it's a little different, and it's strange, and I know that the seating's weird, but there's a couple of things that had to happen with the seating uh, this morning. One, we've got to have six feet apart for family units, but also we're live every week now, and so we, uh, we're working on a permanent solution, but we needed this thing because Jeff's head was right in the middle of the video all week last week, so we fixed that, and so that's why there's this big divide right here in the middle, but we're working on a long-term solution solution for that, for when we can put our chairs back the way they are. But thank you guys so much for being here. You know, this, I, I've missed you. I have, and I was jealous of Pastor Katie last week. We had already planned that she was going to preach for Mother's Day and that she was going to have uh, a message that week. And then that turned out to be our first week back. And I was jealous. I was like, man, I'm supposed to be in that pulpit. She did a great job though. She always does. You know, it's funny when, uh, when we have our online uh, audio podcasts and stuff, and you can track how many people listen to that each week. And so, you know, when I listen, we might get, you know, 10, 15, 20 people to, 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 pre, to listen to when I preach. When Katie preaches, there's like 100 listens. It's just every week. There are people who love her preaching. And so I, you know, I could just sit back and take the paycheck and let her do all the work, you know? But, you know, it, it's been hard for a preacher the past few weeks. And, and not to make light of everyone else who's had such difficulty in the past 
couple of months, but it's been an emotional roller coaster for us, for me specifically. It's hard to preach to an empty room and in front of a camera. That's no fun. <laughs> I want to tell you, it's not enjoyable and it's awkward. And I'm sorry if I was awkward because it's just awkward and I'm, I'm getting used to it and I'm learning as we go. And, and when you hired a pastor, you didn't hire a videographer and you didn't hire a photographer and you didn't hire a news personality or a TV star. And so I was, this was a totally new experience for us, but God has taken care of us and he's done some good things and good things have been happening. Um, you know, but there's, there are people that are, still, that are still suffering, and we don't know exactly what the long-term effects of this are going to be for our economy, for the things that are going on in our community. I know our economy relies heavily on agriculture, and we don't know what the agriculture industry and how that's going to work out, and there's still people who are sick. I saw yesterday that Yale County's up to 16 cases, and or 13 or 16, I can't remember, and it was six of them are active right now, and the rest have recovered, and we've had one fatality, and we pray for them, and those families. we pray for the sick, and I, I've been specifically um, burdened for those that have been isolated. You know, we, we've done this social distancing thing, and, and we've been sheltering in place, and we've been staying home more, and for some people, that is a huge sacrifice, people who struggle with things like depression and fear and anxiety, and they're sitting at home and they don't have the connection and the support system that they're used to having. And so we, I've been praying for those people. I've been praying for, if that's you in this room or someone that's watching online, we're praying for you and your church is here for you. Your pastor's here for you. And, and you know, reach out to us, but listen, church, a lot of people won't reach out. And so that's where we have to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and leading us and guiding us to reach out to people who need that, you know? And so church family, will you help me do that? You know who's not here right now. You know who's who in our community who lives alone and who struggles and who, who has those needs. And instead of just saying, well, that's just them, why don't you say, well, let me go check on them. Let me drop off some groceries at their house, whatever it might be to take care of people. But we need to look for ways to love people. I, I'm concerned I'm concerned that, that because we are Americans and we love our freedom and we love our rights, that we have now grown so frustrated with what's happening that instead of just not liking it, we've grown to frustration and anger toward our neighbors and toward our fellow human beings. And instead of reaching out and loving people, you know, in this season, we're we're angry at the people on the news. We're angry at the people in the government. We're angry at the local officials. We're angry at the people who don't open their businesses up. We're angry we can't get our hair cut. All those kinds of things. We just need to be careful about that. You know what I'm saying? Let's just be careful and find ways to love people. You know, when we first ended and suspended live services or in-person services back in March, I was in the middle of a, a series called uh, the table. If you remember that series we did before Easter, leading up to Easter, and every week I was preaching about the importance of sitting around the table with family, sitting around the table with your church family. I even said one week, I said, you know what? Church really doesn't happen in here. Church happens around the table with the fried chicken afterwards. You know, and that's when the, the fellowship happens, and Jesus is present at the table then. And you know what? The last eight weeks have taught me how true that really is. When we no longer could sit around the table, when we no longer could go to memory lane after Sunday night service and fellowship together. When that wasn't an option anymore, we, you realize what church isn't really what happens in the room. Church is what happens when you're sitting around the table with people, you know? And so there's just been this kind of, for me, and, and maybe it's just me, I, a sense of loss, a sense of uh, 
It's a depressive kind of thing that we've experienced, that I've experienced. And, and you know, used to be, uh, Sundays, Sundays have been, Katie and I, our favorite day of the week. It's for us, it's game day. You know, we've been practicing all week. It's game day. You get your uniform on, you suit up, you get out there, and you, you, uh, you make sure that you have a win that Sunday. That's, that's our favorite day of the week. It's a hard day. It's a lot of work to make this happen. All this didn't happen. You know, it, it, it's nice to come and say, oh, man, it's just great that all this just happened. But it didn't happen. There was work involved, you know. But we loved it. We love Sundays. But I guess it was about three weeks ago. We had finished the online service and we sat down for the morning and I just, I kind of started to get teary-eyed and I said, I hate Sundays. I, I hate Sundays lately because nothing's normal. Nothing's the way it should have been. Nothing, we, you know, I, you don't realize how much a church lady hug means to you at the front door until you can't have a church lady hug in the morning. You don't realize how much it means to you. You don't realize the power of a handshake with a brother in Christ until you can't shake your brother's hand anymore. anymore. That, that's a big deal. And I said, man, I just, it's not that good things weren't happening. We have gotten our services out to more people than this church ever has before, okay? Like hundreds of people, our Easter service on the radio across the whole River Valley, thousands of people listening to the message of Easter. And so good things have been happening and we've been praying for people and we've seen God miraculously provide. So I don't say, when I say I hate Sundays, I don't mean that things weren't going good. It just wasn't normal. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't what I was accustomed to. And so it was, a, it was an emotional roller coaster for me the past few weeks. And then three weeks ago, two weeks ago, when we found out that that next Sunday we could have, or that the Monday that the governor was going to announce when he was going to loosen up guidelines for houses of worship, I remember I was spending some time with the Lord and I was just praying and, and talking to the Lord and, and not, not even really being intentional about it. I was just sitting there kind of having some thoughts and, and the presence of the Lord was there, you know, and um, I, I remember thinking this thought. I said, Lord, I can't wait to get back to normal. I can't wait to get back to normal. And as soon as I said that, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart so clearly, uh, sternly, and almost a rebuke. <laughs> and it was so, it was sharp. And he, he just said, he said, you need to leave normal behind. That was, that was the word God gave me in that moment where I said, God, I just can't wait to be back to normal. And God began to speak. And in, in that moment of just a, a sharp word back, he said, you need to leave normal behind. And God began to speak to me with that. And I said, I need, this was a moment. You ever have those moments when you you know God is speaking, when you know the Holy Spirit is present and you know you better pay attention, that this is an important, this was, I, I don't mean to make this, exaggerate this. It was a life-changing word for me. When I sat there and God said, you need to leave normal behind. And I, I got a pen and a pad out and I started to just pray and kind of pray into that word and, and listen more intently to what the Holy Spirit was speaking. And, and, and that word, leave normal behind. And, and I just wanted to, I began to write things down that God gave me. And I said, Lord, what does this mean? What's this mean for me? What does this mean for our church? What does this mean for the church? 
What, what does this word mean? What are you doing in this season? I preached for the past eight weeks that I don't believe God sends pandemics and plagues. I don't believe that and we don't preach that here. But I know that God can take anything and use it for good for those who love God, right? No matter what it is, he can take it and transform it and use it for good purposes. And so I'm not saying that God says, I'd sent this so they get out of their funk. I'm just saying that God's saying, you had this opportunity before you and you need to leave normal behind. And so God began to give me things and I'm going to preach today. I'm going to I'm going to speak today what God began to give me as I wrote down on a notepad in a piece of paper just a few days ago. I, I want to I want to use this word. I want to prophesy today. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is just hearing what the Holy Spirit has spoken and then speaking it out to other people. That's what it is. And, I, and what you do with the prophetic word is you listen, because I'm telling you, this, was, this isn't a normal sermon. This isn't just, a, I, I went to the scripture and got an outline. This was something that the Lord gave me and confirmed in the scripture. Amen? And so I want you to pay attention to this word. I want you to take notes. I want you to listen intently to this word because I believe that it's a word for this church and I believe it's a word for the church. Number one, the thing that God spoke to me is that normal can be a form of slavery. Normal can be a form of slavery. Sometimes we can get so attached to normal that we become slaves to normal, that we become slaves to normal. We're programmed. We are programmed to not like change. We get comfortable in what we know, and we sometimes view anything different or new with suspicion. Some of you a little more than others. I'm your pastor. I know. I saw your eyeballs when you walked in the room and saw this wall a different color. You, some of you, 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 have, you, you love normal and change is hard for you. And when something new comes along or something different comes along, we resist anything that might take normal away from us. There are times when, when Ainsley doesn't like to get her diaper changed. She doesn't like to have that diaper change. She won't sit still. She doesn't want to cooperate. She'll swat at your hands. She's learned recently and to say stop and no. And that's fun. Yeah. And so she, there's times when she doesn't like to get her diaper changed. She doesn't want to sit still. She doesn't want to go through the process of the diaper change. I have to stop playing to get my diaper changed. And in those times, if I left her to what she preferred, and I didn't change her. She's still sitting in a filthy diaper. She could get sick from that. It could hurt her. It could be physically uh, harmful to her. And she can't realize at the moment that that present unpleasantness of just sitting still for a minute and letting mom or dad change her diaper, that it's actually for her benefit in the long run. And in, in the long run, she'll be more comfortable if she lets the change happen. I've met a few people who would rather sit in a dirty diaper than go through the process of change. I've met a few people who have become slaves to their normal. They believe that what has become normal is best for them. They believe that what has become normal is the right thing for them. So they resist change and blind themselves to the possible benefits of change. And it doesn't just happen with babies. There are studies and research that show that even people with mental health issues, that sometimes people that know they have a mental health issue, they won't get the help because that issue has become their normal. They won't go to counseling. They won't take the medication. They won't go to the therapist because that would mean that I have to leave normal behind. If I want to get better, I've got to get out of normal. And instead of getting out of normal, I'll just stay sick. 
Lots of people do that all over the world. I've seen it in people that struggle with addiction. The thing that they're addicted to has become normal. It's become normal to drink nine, 10 beers a day. It's become normal to, to smoke two packs a day. It's become normal to uh, uh, whatever it might be. I won't get into details, you know, but it, it becomes normal to rely on that substance. And now I'm a slave to what has become normal in my life. And in Exodus, in the Hebrews, in Exodus chapter 14, they have just been led out of slavery. There's been the 10 plagues. There's been all kinds of miraculous things happen. God has confirmed over and over again that he wants to set his children free. And they're in the process of change. They're leaving Egypt and they're going into the wilderness. They're taking off the filthy diaper of slavery and walking into a new fresh diaper of freedom. Come on. And they're, they're having some freedom. They're going to experience it for the first time, but they're on their way out of Egypt. The Egyptian Pharaoh changes his mind. Go back and read the story. The, the, the Pharaoh actually tells him to leave after the last play. He says, you've got to get out of here. You're cursing my nation. But as soon as they start to leave, he changes his mind and he leads his army of horses and chariots out to capture the Israelites and bring them back into slavery. And so what's happening is, is the Israelites, they're leaving behind them is the Egyptian army at that time the most powerful army on the face of the planet. And in front of them is the Red Sea. And on their left and their right are two mountain ranges. They are trapped. They are, they are, they are in, a, in a corner. They can't get out. And so as soon as the process of change brings pressure on them, listen, when they experience a little pressure, they're being pressed from behind. They've got nowhere to go in front. They're being pressed on each side. As soon as pressure becomes part of the equation in the change process, what do they do? They turn to Moses, their leader, and they say, we told you to just leave us in Egypt. We told you we were better off as slaves. Did you bring us out here to die? It would have been better to die back in Egypt in slavery than to die out here in the wilderness. It would have been better if we had never left Egypt. We're in this wilderness and they're going to slaughter us. You know what? Maybe, I kind of think maybe they said this. This isn't in the Bible, but bear with me. I think maybe they said, maybe if we put our hands up when they get here, they'll just lead us back to slavery safety, safely. And, and, and then we'll, we can just go back to normal. We can go back to what we're used to. Maybe if we just, you know, stop and change this back, we won't have to die out here. That's what they say to Moses in that moment. And it's our knee jerk reaction when pressure comes with the change. When pressure comes, when things, when normal is shaken up and normal is changed, it's our knee-jerk reaction to want to go back to normal. This thing is too hard. This, this thing is too difficult. Maybe if we surrender, maybe if I just go back to normal, uh, Pharaoh will let us go back to the land of Goshen and live in slavery and we'll continue to serve him. And then though, when, when they bring this complaint to Moses, Moses says, just be, don't fear stand firm and watch and see God do the miraculous. And if you keep reading, Moses, he turns and looks up to heaven to God. And God says, what are you looking at me for? That's what he says. He says, why are you looking to me? He says, you've got the authority to look at that sea and tell that sea to split open and you can walk through it. And that's exactly what Moses does. He lifts his staff. And as he lifts his staff, the, the sea parts, there's that famous scene in Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments. I love it. That was in the 30s. How in the world, the special effects there. And even when you watch it today, it's awesome to watch. I love that movie. And they're walking through and it's a great picture of walking through out through the change process 
leaving normal behind because slavery was normal and walking through the miraculous, this massive miracle that God does. And church, I believe that God is saying to his people this morning to trust him in the process as he takes us out of our normal. That's a good place to say amen. And that when we follow him, leaving normal behind, we will see that we're going to have miraculous things in front of us. If you want the miraculous, you've got to be willing to let go of the normal. Oh, that, I did, that's not even in my notes. That was good. If you want the miraculous, you've got to be willing to let go of normal. And that when we follow his leading, leaving normal behind, we're going to see him do miraculous things in our church, in our community, and in our nation. But then, two chapters later, after this massive miracle of opening up a highway through a sea, two chapters, one page next, this time they're not being hunted, this time they're hungry. This time they're just hungry. They're in the wilderness. There's not a lot of food to eat. I guess they didn't pack enough for the journey. I don't know exactly what happened there. Or maybe they just got bored with it. How many of you got bored with what was in your refrigerator over the past eight weeks? And you just wish there was a restaurant open. You just wish there was somewhere you could go. Uh, Yeah, we've been there. You know what? But I've eaten more in the past two months than I think I've ever eaten in my life. It's crazy. So they're getting a little hungry out in the wilderness. They're bored with whatever they've got, and they're, they're, they're struggling. And isn't it funny how the devil will come in in those moments of hunger, in those moments of frustration in the change process, and in those moments of frustration, he will tempt you to just remember the good things in your past, and he never seems to remind you of the bad in your past. See, they remembered, it says in the scripture, they remembered full pots and full bellies when they were slaves in Egypt, but they forgot about the brutal beatings at the hands of the Egyptians. They forgot about the babies being killed by the evil Pharaoh. They forgot about not having freedom to marry who they wanted or travel where they wanted or worship how they wanted. They forgot about their women being abused and violated by Egyptian men who ruled over them. See, all of that was normal. That's normal slavery right there. That's how slavery works. It was normal to get beaten. It was normal for slaves to just accept Pharaoh's punishment, rape, abuse, oppression. It was all normal to them. And see, so sometimes normal isn't all good. And sometimes the devil in the moment, in the process of change, when pressure comes and difficulty comes, he'll remind you of one good thing, but he'll forget to tell you about the 10, 15 bad things that were a part of your past. See, sometimes normal isn't so good. Sometimes normal is actually slavery. And sometimes slavery can become normal. Slavery to addiction can become your normal. And yeah, you you might have had a few laughs, laughs and a few wild parties back in those days, but don't forget how you felt the next morning. Don't forget how that addiction cost you your job. Don't forget how that addiction cost you your marriage. Don't forget how that addiction cost you your relationship with your kids. See, he'll remind you of the good times, but he won't remind you of how it destroyed your life. The devil likes to tell you how much fun it was. He doesn't like to remind you of how much heartbreak it brought. Normal can be slavery and slavery can be normal. And the problem with those Hebrews was, listen, it was easier to take the chains of slavery off of them than to take the mentality of slavery out of them. And that's for all people. It is easier to take the chains of slavery off a person than it is to take the mentality of slavery out 
of a person. That takes a process. That takes time. That, that's difficult to do. Even though they were free, they still thought like slaves. They still reacted to difficulty like slaves. At the first sign of difficulty, they responded with a slave's mentality. Let's go back. At least there was food there. Let's go back. At least we had a home. We'd rather die in slavery than die in freedom. That They had been brainwashed. Listen, that's a brainwashing process to believe that a normal life is actually a life of slavery. And in this season, over the past eight weeks and our, the entire globe has been shaken out of normal life. And it's easy to be like me and say, I just can't wait to get back to normal. But God is speaking to his church and he's saying, you need to leave normal behind. You don't be a slave to what was normal. Be willing to step out and watch the miraculous take place. If you trust me in leaving normal behind, I'll lead you to a place of promise. I'll lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'll lead you to a place of freedom like you've never known before, but you've got to leave normal behind if you want it. And if you trust me in leaving normal behind, you'll see me turn that sea into a highway. You'll see me, you're going to see me finally destroy the demons that have been chasing you down for years. You're going to see me rain down manna from heaven and provide for you every day of your life with plenty left over. Because leaving normal behind means stepping out of slavery and stepping into the miraculous. I believe God's been speaking to me. I believe this is coming in our church and in the church. We're getting ready to step into a season of miracles. Listen, because we need miracles in this time in our nation and in our world. I believe God is getting ready to release a season of miracles of divine healing. I believe he's getting ready to release a season of miracles for financial provision. And I believe he's releasing a season of miracles for restored relationships. I'm, this, I'm prophesying now. He gave me these three promises, a season of miracles for healing, Miracles for financial provision and miracles for restored relationships. And here's why. Because we are now in a season where our eyes have been opened and we have realized that medical science does not have all the answers. That we are so used to taking a pill, getting a shot, and that fixing everything. We have found out that that is not true. That that is not true. That the science community does not. I love science. I appreciate medical. I appreciate the nurse, nurses in the room. I appreciate that so much. But listen, they don't have all the answers. They don't, they're, they're admitting it. We don't know. They don't know. So guess what? We serve a great physician. We serve the great physician, Dr. Jesus, and he has the answers and he can heal every disease and he can do the miraculous. And so God is just speaking. When we get desperate enough that we need God for a miracle, that's when miracles will come, amen? And now we've also, we've learned that the government can't print enough money to pay all our bills. The government can't print enough money to take care of everything. We have learned to rely on the economy of man instead of relying on the economy of the kingdom. And God is saying, I'm getting ready to release a season of financial miracles as my people learn not to trust in what the stock market is doing and not to trust in what Congress decides and not to trust on the Treasury Department and a check coming in the mail, but for the, God's people to begin to trust in me, to be their provider, to give what is needed, to give more than enough to bless other people. He's going to bring a season of financial miracles because we have to trust him in this season. We have to turn to him. 
Social distancing and shelter in place have created space in relationships. They have, they've created a vacuum in relationships. And so God told me, he said, I'm getting ready to release a, a, a season of miracles for relationships to be restored because relationships have been separated lately and people are beginning to realize that they need authentic relationships and FaceTime and Facebook aren't authentic relationship and we need something deeper and we need something real beyond Snapchat and beyond a filter and beyond a, a, a quick uh, picture of your food when you sit down to eat. We need real relationships. And God's saying, I'm going to begin to heal broken relationships that have been broken. Come on, somebody receive that. I've got a broken relationship in my life and I need God to restore some broken relationship. I need a miracle in that relationship. Man, y'all aren't getting happy about this. I am excited about it. God. This is something that God has said, financial miracles, divine healing, restored relationships. I want to stop right now. If you receive that, if you say, God, I need what you're pouring out, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to say, Jesus, I receive this word. I receive in this season. I'm going to walk in divine healing. I'm going to walk in financial miracles and provision. I'm going to walk, God, and restore miraculous relationships in Jesus' name. We're leaving normal behind, and we're going into the miraculous right now in Jesus' name. See, if doctors don't have all the answers and the Democrats don't have all the answers and the Republicans don't have all the answers and the IRS definitely doesn't have all the answers, I know a man who is the answer. Come on. I know a God who, when you're pressed on all sides, when you're pressed from behind and you've got nowhere to go, he can make a way where there is no way. I know a God when you're in the desert and there's no livestock to eat and there's no vegetables to grow, he can make bread fall from heaven and feed you and he can take a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread and feed 5,000 people. So listen, church, I'm packing my bags and I'm leaving normal behind and I'm stepping in to the season of miracles that Jesus has in front of me. I'm putting normal in my rear view mirror. I'm putting Egypt in my rear view mirror. I'm putting slavery in my rear view mirror. I'm choosing to trust and rely on the way maker, on the miracle worker, on the sea splitter, on the manna giver, on the healer, on the deliverer, on the provider. We're leaving normal behind. Hallelujah. When the Hebrews got into the wilderness, God came to them in a cloud of his presence. They, they got into there at the base of Mount Sinai and God, a cloud enveloped the whole mountain, a cloud of fire. And, and they, they had had this experience with God's presence there on Mount Sea already. They've left normal behind. That's not normal. <laughs> And they, they, they experience this supernatural presence, the Shekinah glory of God, the, the manifest presence of God. See, that's what they had in front of them. Normal kept them working in fields as slaves, led by a foreman with a whip. But now they're collecting manna in the wilderness and they're seeing clouds of fire around the mountain and they're, they're even quail fell and God brought quail to him to eat in the wilderness. Normal people follow the slave master. But listen, God's people follow the cloud. We follow the cloud of God's presence. We follow his voice. We follow when he speaks. The cloud in, in Exodus that they follow through the wilderness. They said it was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And it led them to the promised land. They followed wherever that cloud went. And the cloud represents his presence. It represents his glory. It represents God's Holy Spirit. It represents God's voice. And listen, God's people aren't supposed to follow what's normal. God's people are supposed to follow the cloud. Follow his voice. Follow his presence. Follow when he speaks. And the cloud will never lead you back to normal. 
The cloud will never lead you back to normal. The cloud leads you to promise. The cloud, the cloud leads you to the promised land. It leads you to a place of provision, a land flowing with milk and honey. The cloud never leads you backwards. It always takes you forward. But following the cloud has a cost. The cost of following the cloud of God's presence is to leave normal behind. Your motto should be, I've never done this before. I've never been that way before. We've never done it like that here before. We've never had that here before. You know what? You're right. We're doing something new. God is doing a new thing. He's leading us into promise. We're not going back. We're moving forward. In the New Testament, Jesus was calling people to be his followers and to be his disciples. And you look at it in Luke chapter 9, and Jesus is asking people to follow him, and they all have an excuse. They all have a reason why they can't. And, you know, have you got a place to sleep? And Jesus says, you know what? Foxes have holes and whatever it was that he said, I missed it all. (laughs) I kind of forgot all of it. But he says, but the son of man, I got this part. The son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head at night. Another guy comes, he says, just let me go and uh, tell my family goodbye. And he says, hey, you got to let go of your family. You got to follow me. You You can't go back. Another guy says, let me go bury my father. He's dead. He says, let the dead bury their own. You come and follow me and follow me into life. And then Jesus says these words. He says, any man who sets his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom. What's he saying there? He's saying any man who says he's going to follow the cloud can't look back to normal. Life is no longer normal if you're going to follow me. Life is no longer the way it used to be. If you're going to set your hand to the plow, if you're going to set your hand to follow Jesus, then you've got to put everything in your rearview mirror and just look to Jesus and just follow after Jesus. If you've got to stop, you've got to stop looking back at Egypt and start following the cloud toward the promise. The globe has been shaken. Economies have been disrupted. Companies are going bankrupt. Schools are closed. Government have been shuttered and God is looking for a people who will say we don't want to just go back to normal we want to go we don't want to just settle for a new normal we want to move forward to promise we want to move forward to the miraculous we want to follow the cloud wherever it goes church doesn't have to be normal anymore it can be miraculous every Sunday your workplace doesn't have to be normal anymore the Holy Spirit is there and he can do miraculous things in your workplace your classroom when you go back in the fall your school school campus doesn't have to be normal. It doesn't have to be the way it used to be. You take the Holy Spirit with you wherever you go. And that means you take the way maker and you take the sea splitter and you take the manna giver wherever you go. And you can expect a miracle. You can expect him to work. You can expect him to move in your life. God's people are never called to be normal. Did you know that? I, I'm going to be careful about this, but I would love for our church to not have a normal reputation in our community. I would love for our church to be outside the norm. I don't mean weird and wacky. I mean, they say, you know what? If, you, if you're sick, that's the church you go to to get healed. If you're struggling with addiction, that's the church you go to to get delivered. If you're feeling unloved, I know all those other places you could go, but this place you'll get authentic love and real love that you've never experienced anywhere else. I don't want to be a normal church. I don't want to just fill pews. I don't want to just have a nice building. I don't want to just have good music. I want the presence of God. I want the miracles of God. I want to see God reach down and do a sovereign work every Sunday when we're here. I want it to be so thick in here you can't even stand on your feet. The presence of God is so real in this place. We're not called to be normal. 
Second Peter, first Peter, excuse me, uh, chapter two, verse nine, Peter writes and he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Listen, a peculiar people. You're peculiar. Some of you really are. We're called to be different than the world around us. We're not called to be normal like the rest of the world. You're called to be a peculiar people, he says, verse 9, that you would show forth the praise of him who could call you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Has anyone ever lived in darkness before and experienced him take you from darkness to light? Guess what? When I said shout hallelujah earlier, you should have been the high, loudest one shouting, man. I've experienced real darkness, and I've experienced real light, and I've experienced the miracle of being brought out. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul writes and he says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. He's saying, be, don't be normal, be separate, be different than the world around you. When you became a Christian, when you said, I want to follow Jesus, you didn't, he didn't call you to be a Christian who just looks like the rest of the world around you. You're supposed to look different. You're supposed to talk different. You're supposed to walk different. People are supposed to sense something different about you. You ever meet those Christians that are just, when you're around them, you're just, you just sense that they're Christians? You just sense that they're, you don't even have to tell you. They don't even have to say the name Jesus. You just know there's something different about being in those people's presence. That's how we're all supposed to be. Hello? When people come in contact with us, when they leave, they should be more convinced that Jesus is alive and Jesus is real than when they met us. And you don't have to preach a sermon to do it. You just live your life with Christ flowing out of you, with the Holy Spirit flowing out. And people say they're different. That was peculiar. I had a weird feeling being around them. That was strange. But you know what? I want to know more. I've experienced it. I've seen it happen. As followers of Christ, we got to say goodbye to normal and say hello to biblical. Say goodbye to normal and say hello to biblical. Normal means going to church on Sunday. Biblical means being the church every day of the week. Normal it's working your job to get a paycheck. Biblical is whatever you do it. Do it as if you're working for the Lord. Share the gospel and glorify God in your classroom, in the chicken house, at the checkout counter, on the tractor. Normal is just settle for a life of sin. But biblical is live a life of holiness and victory over sin in your life. And watch God break chains of, of addiction and sin and, and bondage off of you. Normal is just, is just uh, praying when things get tough. But biblical is daily spending time in the presence of God and in His Word and talking to God and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Normal's hopeless. Biblical's hopeful. Normal is relying on the economy of man to get you out. Biblical is giving, living generously, giving out of your need to meet someone else's need and watching God provide for both of you. Normal is pledging allegiance to a Republican elephant or a Democratic donkey. But biblical is saying, I don't follow an elephant and I don't follow a donkey. We follow the lamb. We follow the lamb of God. We follow the lion of Judah. That's who we follow. Hello? Normal is letting your mind get filled with the latest gossip on social media, the latest outrage on Fox News, the latest fake news on CNN, but biblical is filling your mind with God's word and God's light and letting the Holy Spirit fill your mind with his thoughts and his ways and his love and not giving in to the narrative of the world around you, but instead choosing to live the story of the gospel every day of your life. We're not called to be normal. We're called to be biblical. One more point, and then I'm going to close. Leaving normal can feel like death. 
Anytime the change, I'm not making light of the process of change. It feels like death when you have to leave normal behind. I remember when I was 21 years old, I was finished college, and I was, the Lord called me to work at Teen Challenge in Morrow, Arkansas. I had never left Virginia. I mean, I traveled, but I had never lived anywhere outside of a 40-mile radius of where I grew up. I was, it was crazy. I left, I, I packed up everything I had in a pickup truck, everything I owned. I looked like the Clampets going down I-40 because everything was stacked above the cab in my pickup truck. I left, I had no idea how much I was going to make when I got there, didn't know what my paycheck was going to be, didn't know, didn't know what life was going to, I didn't know a soul in Arkansas. Had only been to Arkansas one time before. Had no idea. I was leaving normal behind. And you know, Virginia and Tennessee are very long states. Like it takes a long time to drive through those two. They're long on I-40, right? And I think I cried for the entire length of the state of Virginia and the state of Tennessee. It was just this, it was a death. It was, it was saying goodbye to what was behind me. It was hard. It was difficult. I almost didn't do it. I almost backed out at the last minute and said, I'm not going. And the only thing that kept me really from backing out was pride. I wasn't going to go back on my word. But I really didn't want to go at that point. I'd, I'd heard from the Lord and I knew he had told me to go, uh, but I didn't want to. And it was hard. It was a death. It was, it was uh, my wife's on the front row here. But at the time, um, I had been dating a girl for six years and I was in love and I wanted to marry her. And I was leaving that behind. And, and there was just all kinds of things that were, I mean, it was a death process. I don't want to make light of what it means to leave normal behind. I know it's a death. I know it feels that way. But what it really is, it feels like death, but really it's rebirth. Really, it's a step to the next chapter. Really, it's a step to what's better in your life. You know, a baby, when it's in the womb, that womb has been nothing but normal for nine months. It's actually 10 months. Did y'all know this? When we had a baby a year and a half ago, that you heard nine months your whole life. 42 weeks is not nine months. 40 weeks is not, well, you were 42. <laughs> That's 10 months. I was like, they lied to me my whole life. So for nine or 10 months, that womb has been normal to that baby. And what's the first thing they do when they're born? They're crying. They are not happy to be out of normal. I can imagine in a little newborn baby's brain, what they're experiencing has to be awful in that moment. It has to be absolutely, there's bright lights and people are poking you and prodding you and everything that you've known for nine or 10 months has totally been ripped away from you. But I remember when Ainsley was born, and the first time after they finished poking and prodding her, and they swaddled her, and they put me in, put her in my arms. And I remember thinking at that moment, you're, there's like 25 people who are more qualified to hold this baby than me <laughs> at the moment in this room. And I can't believe they just handed this baby. And they wanted me to walk across the room with her to take her to, to Katie. And I was like, I can't do that. It was, it was, it was a scary moment. But she was in my arms. She didn't have a pacifier or anything. She was just there. And being held in her father's arms, she stopped crying. And what had been normal wasn't good for her anymore. You know, they say in there too long, they go get that baby out because it's unhealthy to stay in normal for too long. 
And then in that moment of peace where she was just in my arms sitting next to Katie, all of a sudden the change wasn't so bad. And all of a sudden the process of change was worth it. I look back almost 10 years now since I moved to Arkansas. That 18-hour drive was hard. And there's been some hard days since then. But you know what? Since I went through that process of change and left normal behind, I've seen miracles like I'd never seen before. I've seen God do the miraculous. I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen him bring me the woman of my dreams. I've seen him bring a a miraculous baby, an answer to prayer baby, an impossible. I've seen the miraculous when I said I'm going to leave normal behind and step into what God is bringing in my future. And listen, now he's got it. God is doing this on a much bigger scale than just my individual life. He's telling his church, we need to leave normal behind. And I know it feels like a death. I know it feels weird to be in here six feet apart. I know it feels strange to be wearing a mask right now. I know all of that feels strange. But I believe that God, if we will trust him through the process, we're going to see the miraculous in our lives. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to dismiss here in just a moment. Pastor Katie, would you come? I want to leave you with this final thought. If we allow ourselves after this season that our entire globe has gone through, if we allow ourselves to go back to normal, we will have missed possibly the greatest opportunity the church has ever seen. If we allow ourselves to go back to normal, we will miss possibly the greatest opportunity this church and the church has ever seen. I believe God wants to begin a season of pouring out miracles of healing, of financial provision, of of restored relationships. But we've got to say, you know what? I'm not satisfied with normal anymore if I want to see the miracle. I'm not satisfied in Egypt anymore. I want to see the promise. I want to see the freedom that he has for us. And I just want to ask you, we're not going to come forward and crowd around the altar, but if you would say, you know what, Pastor Seth, I'm going to say I'm packing my bags and I'm leaving normal behind. I'm going where the cloud leads me. I'm going to the promise. I want what God has for this church and the church in the future. And I'm willing to lay every sacred cow on the altar and say, God, whatever you want to change up, mix up, do differently. If it means your kingdom is expanded, if it means more people are saved, more people are healed, more people are delivered, more people are, if that's what it means, I'll lay anything down on the altar. If that's the promise that you have for me. And how many of you, if you'd say that, I want you to just lift your hands and you say, God, that's my prayer too. I'm leaving normal behind. I'm packing my bags. I'm saying I'm done with what was behind me. And I'm going toward, I'm done with the addiction behind me. And I'm going toward the future that you have for me, Lord. I'm done with what we used to see as normal. And I'm ready to walk in the miraculous. I want to see God do the miraculous in my church. I want to see God do the miraculous in my family. I I want to see God do the miraculous in my nation. I want to see a worldwide revival where people are saved and set free and delivered from sin and delivered from bondage and turned over to eternal life. God, I want to see the miraculous. I want to see you do the impossible. Lord, would you split the sea in front of us? Would you bring down manna from heaven? Would you do what we need, what our world needs right now in Jesus' name? Oh, I'm not on my soul. Oh, she's not on my heart.
Oh, Lord, we need you. We're saying we leave normal behind from now on. Next Sunday will not be a normal Sunday. Come on. Next Sunday will not be a normal Sunday because we've left normal behind. Monday, tomorrow morning, will not be a normal work day because we've left normal behind. Next year will not be a normal year because we've left normal behind. Next school year won't be a normal school year because we've left normal behind. And we're ready to see God do the miraculous in our lives. We're ready for it, Lord. Pour it out in Jesus' name.